Okay, grand. Right. Yeah, it's so right. bloody loud. <laughs> Is that in Sheffield? Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, Virgin on Broadfield Road. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I think, well, yeah. I mean, my, my internet was cancelled. I cancelled it because I wasn't, I was at in Hong Kong for a few months extra so well, I thought I'll save a bit of cash and then I got back and it takes like two weeks to get back running oh, no. it's a nightmare being in a, being in a bloody uh, flat with no internet no phone signal either so it's like oh exactly down <laughs> 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 Welcome back to the Grand Slam Tennis Online podcast. The good news is that we've got Wimbledon 2012 men's doubles champion Johnny Murray on the pod. The bad news is that Johnny is in a gym and it sometimes sounds like he's in a bowling alley during this. And my audio also went pear-shaped, so it's all done on Zoom. But do stick with us. It's a fantastic interview. He's got some really good insights. Enjoy. Yeah, all right. So, um, yeah, welcome to the Grand Slam Tennis podcast. Thank you, Johnny Murray, for joining us. Thanks so much. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, just got back from Hong Kong. So uh, settling back to Sheffield and yeah. finding my feet here again. Excellent. So I heard on a, on another podcast actually, I heard that you were on recently. You said you'd gone to Hong Kong at the start of March, right? So you stuck there for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I had already been in January and about February, and I was due to go back at the end of March again for another kind of six weeks. But with everything that was happening, <clears throat> I decided to go a little bit early, and luckily just got out or the lockdown kind of came into place. Yeah, but I've been over in Hong Kong since, since really. So, I mean, I've been really lucky, I suppose, because uh, I've been able to work over there while, while everything was in lockdown over here. So, uh, yeah, I basically missed the worst of it over here. So, yeah, I did Good. Right. So, you, since your retirement in 2017, I don't know, just give us a quick update as to what you've been doing since then, really. Yeah, well, uh, I had a couple of months off. Uh, I wasn't too sure exactly what I uh, what I was going to do when I stopped playing uh, and then I was actually contacted by John Pierce and Henry Continent to see whether I'd like to uh, have a bit of a trial period with them, uh, a little trial trip to the US uh, kind of US series in the summer of 2017 and yeah we got on pretty well uh, so I kind of continued to work with those guys really up until about a year after that and I think I wanted really to try and get away from traveling every week uh, so you know we can't well you know I, I didn't continue that anymore and then since then I suppose I've been doing a little bit of work with the LTA uh, been helping out with some ITF junior trips helping some of that kind of 16 to 18 age group which I've, which I've really enjoyed and helping out with some training camps down the National Tennis Center and I've done a few little tennis holidays with the company. So, yeah, I'm just kind of trying a few different things out. And then the opportunity came to go to Hong Kong and do some work out there, really, which is basically it's kind of club club coaching out there. So that was, again, good experience for me. And, and, and I was, like I said, I was quite fortunate to have that during this, this period of, of, of lockdown. So uh, I'm, I'm trying a few different things out at the minute and see what, what sticks and, and, and see myself going in the future. Coaching kind of is it giving you a different perspective in your own playing career in terms of having to instruct younger players, but also like you say, yeah, constant and peers as well, who were your your peers in your own career. Yeah, I mean it's, it's definitely very different. I mean, 
I suppose we went straight into the, on, onto the doubles tour, which I was quite comfortable with. I knew a lot of the players there, so I had quite a good bit of background knowledge uh, on how the doubles kind of tour worked and obviously playing, playing in that. Uh, but yeah, with, with the coach's hat, it's definitely a different experience. I've, uh, it's not all about me and my partner anymore, so I've got, I've got to be kind of be able to adapt to, to, to kind of and, and to kind of get to know the other players a little bit more in depth really what makes them tick and, and how I can help them kind of as, as as individuals and as a team really so it was uh, it was definitely different but you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the enjoy the different kind of challenges that that brings you know Freddie Nielsen said really interesting recently about taking up tennis when he when he was starting out and taking it up full time because he loved it rather than thinking he's going to achieve anything. Um, I guess you had a similar story in junior tennis, did you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, uh, you know, my, my, my parents never played. We, we didn't come from a tennis family or anything like that. So we were all parents. Um, so my brother played a lot. I mean, I was very fortunate to have an older brother who loved tennis as well. So we kind of grew up playing together. But, you know, we I, I just saw it on Wimbledon on the telly and I was like, yeah, let's give it a try. I mean, I played a lot of other sports growing up, football especially. And, you know, we just one summer we went down to local clubs to try tennis out, basically. And and we kind of started to obviously enjoy it myself and my brother. And we, we, we just got into it from there, really. So it was never really, I think we were all a bit a bit green with tennis and, and a bit kind of clueless with it. You know what I mean? We my my dream was just to no I suppose I just enjoyed playing and, and and took it a bit more seriously as the years went on and then I think yeah my big goal I, I think was to play to play at Wimbledon I think that that was, that was what I wanted to kind of achieve and and at the end of my A levels I thought you know I'd, I'd instead of taking kind of a year out or you know a lot of people have a gap year or whatever and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, a universe or anything like that so I thought you know I'll take a bit of time out and try try giving tennis a go basically so we kind of went from there and, and, and there a kind not, of light bulb moment where you thought of oh, for, for a career in, in the game not really I mean the first year I started playing you know I was playing all the, all the British tour and a few futures in, in Britain and everything uh, and then obviously in order to get a world ranking I think everyone used to go to somewhere like India. India used to be the place that all the Brits seemed to go to. Because one, you were guaranteed to get in a tournament. There's a lot of futures in Europe or, or around the UK. In those days, you had to sign in uh, the day before qualifying started. So if the draw was full, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get in. I know I went to Germany once to sign in for a satellite. And one of the guys that went with it didn't get in. So he's gone all the way over there just to fly back, you know. So it, it was, uh, Indy was, was, was a place that you were guaranteed to get in. So we, I went there and I actually won a, won a future tournament, uh, the first one over there. And that kind of got my ranking up to about 700 or 750, I think it was at the time. And I suppose that obviously gave me a lot of confidence and, and thought that, you know, I could win matches at the, at the kind of, I mean, obviously it's on a future level, but, you know, it gave me a bit of a, and thought that you know, I could go a bit further in the game. Now, looking back on the kind of early stages of your career on the singles tour, what, how do you think of that time? Because you had a 
I mean, in the context of global tennis, you had an incredible career, singles career, but you didn't break into the kind of upper echelons, I guess, did you? So how do you look back on it? Do you look back on it with fondness or do you think, oh, wow, that was actually, a, that was a grind, it was tough? And then I think I think a bit of both, really. I I mean, I got to travel to some amazing places, you know. Singles was what I wanted to do when I first started. I, you know, I didn't really see, I didn't really know there was a, a kind of route to go down in the doubles and make a living out of it through the doubles uh, kind of avenue, whatever. So that wasn't really on my radar, to be honest with you. And yeah, I mean, it's all it's all a new experience to begin with, isn't it? And everything's kind of exciting, you know, trying to... Trying to you, there was always a goal, I suppose, of just getting better and getting better. So that was always there. But, you know, it's, 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 it is a grind of an existence, you know, if you're, you're playing around that kind of level for any period of time. And I did feel I was, I was improving year on year a little bit, but I think... In hindsight, my you know my game was always a little bit limited to singles, uh, and I think I was always you know certain areas of the game weren't weren't kind of good enough to to really reach the top uh, top level in singles. So fortunately, I had some skills with, which kind of uh, lent itself to the doubles doubles game and everything, the doubles tour, and that that was my my strength around the net, and, and I served pretty well. So I think in doubles you can you can get away with not having a complete all round game, you know. Uh, and I think I, I suppose I only started focusing on doubles when I think when I saw some of some of the other Brits, you know, like uh, Jamie Murray, uh, Ross Hutchins. Then I, I saw them kind of climb the rankings in the, in the doubles tour and saw that it was quite you know a viable career path to go. And make a living out of, and obviously play, you know, the top tournaments. Which, you know, I'd had I'd had a taste of that in the singles. But, you know, I played all the Grand Slam qualifying, and got wild card to Wimbledon a few times. So I had a bit of a taste of that. Obviously, that's where that's where you want to be playing, and that's where the money is, I suppose. So, uh, you know, I decided at that, at that age, probably I think we about twenty-seven, to kind of focus on focus on the last stage of the game. But I think, I think. Yeah, it's not. It's now. It's a lot more. It's seen as a, as a good career path, you know, uh, at a younger age. I know Jamie Murray uh, focused from a young age. Uh, but now, if, you know, if you're a British tennis player and you are, you know, in your early twenties, and it's not quite happening, or mid twenties, it's not quite happening for you on the, on the singles tour. Then, then you know, doubles can transition. Be a, can be you kind of it's hard to give up playing singles, or did you want to? keep both yeah i mean i mean i think i think at that time uh i, I think i'd actually not long come back from a shoulder injury and yeah i, I just to be honest with you i think i i kind of maxed out where i could get to in my in my singles career so and i felt like i'd given it my best shot you know and given it a good go uh, and left everything kind of out there type thing so I didn't really look back wishing I was playing singles of course got to mention Wimbledon 2012 I have incredible memories of watching you all the way through that tournament at home I was just absolutely beside myself uh, having been coached by your brother and stuff and knowing you you went to the same club as I was playing as a junior so you became the first British player to win the men's all title since 1936 with that 
famous Wimbledon victory. Just tell us quickly the, the backdrop to that tournament. How had that season been going for you before Wimbledon? Uh, it had actually been going quite well. Yeah, I was, I was in quite a good place. I think at the start of that year, uh, I, uh, I was partnering Jamie Delgado and we kind of, our partnership ended at the start of that year. And I think I was in, I wasn't sure, you know, that, that, that at the very start of the year, I, I was struggling a little bit. But I kind of reassessed a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I actually focused on, on my, my mental side of the game a lot more, you know. Uh, at the start of that year, after myself and Jamie kind of partnership ended. Uh, and, you know, I was in a good place. and I, I was focusing on my game and how I, I, how I could improve. I was playing with a few different partners. Uh, and, yeah, I, I started to go on a decent run, actually, with Dustin Brown. You know, Dustin. Yeah. He's, he's quite... You don't, you don't miss Dustin. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're just because we're playing the same same kind of tournaments. You know, we're playing challenger events. Uh, he was still playing. He, he was playing singles and doubles, and you know, uh, we we played against each other many times. And I don't, I don't know how it actually came about, but I was I was, I was obviously looking for partners, so I saw Dustin there. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a handful to play against, you know. So I thought he'd be a good. Uh, so we actually got on a really good run, uh, and we we got quite a few chances at the start of that year, and we played the French Open together. But then he but then he got an offer to play with somebody but quite a bit higher ranked in uh, Wimbledon. So he, he he like told me, look, I'm not playing this other guy in Wimbledon. So then again, I was a little bit of a you know up in the air with who I was playing. So, uh, yeah, again, contact, I saw Freddie, which I, I don't know exactly how it came about. Freddie will know better than me, but because my memory's horrific. But, uh, but yeah, somehow we, we got together for the tournament at Challenger in Nottingham uh, to start the grass court season. And, and we played that one together and made the final and played great. And then uh, as one of the highest ranked Brits, I, I was given the option of who I played with. Uh, I, I was given the option of a wild card at Wimbledon with basically whoever I wanted to play with. So, as I've done really well with Freddie, uh, I asked him to do one to play Wimbledon together. Obviously, we won. Yeah, yeah. So, on that run, beat Marcel Grenoyes, Mark Lopez in the first round, then Karlovic and Frank Moser, and then Koreshi and Roger, and then Jamie Seratani. Edward Roger Vassalan and the Bryan brothers, and then of course Lynchstedt and Takao. What do you think was the best performance of that run? Oh, it's hard to put. It's hard to put. Uh, I think every, I think every match, you know, one of us played well, or we got each other out of certain holes, or we just played well together. Yeah, I mean, every match we could have lost. I suppose everyone was really close apart from maybe our second round against Karlovic and Moser. But uh, during every match, you know, we were, we were, we were struggling at some point. So I don't know, which obviously I think the final, uh, I think for me, you know, being on that stage and first time in my career ever, really. And, you know, that, that match was the one match I wanted to play in my whole career. So to, to actually get out there and, and, and play a decent match and, and enjoy it, enjoy the experience, and obviously winning it, uh, that, was, that was, you know, felt great, felt great for me. But yeah, like I say, every match, 
you know, we were the underdogs in every match, I think we were wild cards. So, uh, obviously, beating the Bryans in the semi final as well. We were the number one team in the world that had been best, well, our best, biggest team that has been. Uh, and getting past them was, was massive. But, you know, we, we were never looking beyond the match we were playing. I think that, that, that was the. Uh, that was the secret to going on such a great run, I suppose. We just focused one match at a time and, and, and trying to beat the guys. And, 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 and yeah, like I said, we, we, we came through some big moments in, in all those matches. You're alluding there to how you were managing expectation and the kind of mental aspects during that fortnight. Tell us about the impact Richard de Souza had on you. I saw you you'd, you spoke a bit about him in, a, in an interview with The Observer, I remember. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd known Richard for, I know, four or five years before that. Uh, it's actually when I started working with Jamie Delgado or started playing with Jamie Delgado a few years before. Uh, Jamie had done some work with him with another partner of Jamie's. Uh, and he said, you know, I think you could help us. Uh, and I think, I think a big thing for me with, throughout my career was always that kind of belief that I kind of you know, could could play in those and belong in those kind of big tournaments. Uh, and I think he, yeah, he, he kind of helped us. I mean, there was loads of loads of things we did. Yeah, he he definitely helped me get in a a right place, a right mindset, and right place to be able to, to kind of play my best tennis. So, yeah, I, I think without him, I mean, there's so many people in my career that without their help, you know, I wouldn't have carried on playing, I suppose. You know, like my brother, like my brother was was there for me every time I come back to Sheffield. I could train with Dave, and he, you know, he came away as a travelling coach, and and you know, I could speak to him about tennis. And there's like Louis Kaye again, another coach that, that without his influence on tennis, especially doubles, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to to have the kind of Success, I suppose, in a different career that I had. Uh, but yeah, Richard was was, was a massive, massive impact. Um, and what did it mean for you, like exactly? I guess you've been asked this so many times. It's the typical kind of question for a sports person, isn't it? What does it mean for you to win something? But I got the sense from you, from your previous interviews, that it kind of meant. A validation would that be the right word to win Wimbledon's kind of fulfill the potential you felt you had? Uh, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think validation, I think that's quite just, just in the fact that you know, dedicated a lot of my my life to, to playing tennis and trying to trying to make a career out of it. And you know, it's a big, I suppose, it's something I wanted to do, but as you go through your career, you don't quite reach those kind of the heights. That you, you you know that you want to I suppose it's uh, especially as I don't know I suppose or or your other mates and life goes on doesn't it they'll go to university they've all kind of got stable proper kind of proper jobs so to speak uh, so uh, yeah I think I think that I, I always felt that a little bit uh, uh, in that respect and yeah I, I don't think I ever I ever saw myself as having the ability to win, you know, a Grand Slam or Wimbledon. But that's probably half my problem, you know. I never really deep down. I remember when Richard, yeah, when I was talking with, with Richard D'Souza, like I mentioned it, and, and Jamie, I remember 
you know, what, what, what do you want? Like you're asking, what, what do you actually want? And, J- and Jamie's like, kind of to win Wimbledon as a team. And I, and I kind of like semi laugh, you know, like, like, you know, all right, let's get something a bit more realistic. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I suppose if you don't think you can do those things, you, you never will be able to do them, do you? So it's, it, it's yeah, I think I think validation was quite a big thing. It was just like, okay, I've, all this kind of hard work and all this, you know, like I say, the, the, the grind, there is, there is a lot of grinding in, in tennis, especially working your way up and, and throughout my younger years. Uh, so it was, it was just a nice, I suppose, reward for a lot of that. Um, yeah, it just felt, it felt great to actually achieve something of, of note, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I know a lot of words were written about how your kind of your life off the court was changed by the prize money and the sponsorship deals or whatever. But how did it change you on the court as a player? Did it give you a kind of new confidence? If you're talking there as if you, you, didn't, yeah, you didn't believe you could win a slam. Was, did it all kind of change after Wimbledon? Uh, I, I, well, it definitely, it definitely gives you that belief, you know, to have, have a, you know, a Grand Slam title to your, to your name or whatever. Of course, it gave me, I was walking out a little bit tall or whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, I obviously knew it was possible. But, you know, I think with tennis, I suppose sport as well, it, it's got a funny way of kind of wearing you down again a little bit, you know? <laughs> so... You know, even though I'd, I'd kind of had that amazing achievement and with that came a lot of confidence, a lot of belief. You know, unless you're doing that all the time, you know, your confidence keep, it does get knocked and you do have setbacks again and, and you do start to question things again and, and what you're doing and when you, what you're doing is right and, and things like that. So I would say, yeah, it definitely gave me a lot of something, but that can be quite temporary a little bit sometimes, you know what I mean? You can quite quickly get dragged down back to some of the stuff you were kind of doing or thinking before yeah, that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I guess, was that maybe exaggerated as well by the fact that you were having quite a few different partners, weren't you, after playing with Freddie for Wimbledon? You went through quite a few different partners before playing with Colin, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Freddie, Freddie uh, didn't want to focus solely on, on, on doubles. So, uh, as, as a doubles player, it's ideally, to, it'd, be, it'd be good to get a consistent partner. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously would have preferred to, to play with Fred uh, for a while after that. But yeah, so so I had to kind of, I suppose, halfway through the year, a lot of doubles teams are set for that year. So I had to mix and match a little bit. And uh, yeah, that, that, that was tricky. I just think... Look, we 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 won Wimbledon. It's not like it's not like I was in the final or the semis of every of every slam before that. Yeah, we had we had an amazing two weeks and on, on a grass court, which is something I'm very comfortable on. Uh, so I, I don't know. My, I think I think for me to expect to be challenging for all the slams after that, or or to you know, you don't suddenly become a player who's who's got to compete for everything. You know, I still had my weaknesses as a player. I still had, uh, you know, there's still so many good players out there. I suppose, I suppose once you've had, once you've experienced something like that, maybe your expectations do kind of pick up a little bit to then 
and with that maybe a little bit of pressure on yourself you put a little more pressure on yourself I suppose so what if, if, if things start to go not, not as you'd like then then yeah there's always those little kind of doubts creeping or or the confidence goes a little bit I suppose but uh, but yeah it, 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 I think it would have helped if uh, Freddie and I maybe stayed together uh, for the rest of the year what do you um, look for in a new doubles partner what's the kind of sign for you that you've got good chemistry with someone uh, yeah I mean for me I I I mean my strengths around the net and uh, and not really so much on my return game so I think someone to help me bring, bring the best out of myself to so someone who returns well I think I, I always like to play with someone there's a lot of players now who serve and stay back and, and just rip balls from the back. I, I, I don't feel, I've never felt like comfortable playing with somebody like that. So I think someone serve volleying, uh, someone who's a good returner. And, and, you know, someone who I think a big thing for me is uh, who's quite lighthearted on the court, you know, who's not, who doesn't get to, someone who's not too intense, tries to enjoy it and, 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 and suppose you know, someone who I don't feel would ever get on my back a little bit. You know what I mean? I think that, that, that that's something that's quite important. We, we both need to be quite supportive of each other. I mean, generally, obviously, generally everybody is like that. But, uh, but some people are a bit more accepting of things like that than others, I suppose. So that, that was a big one. And, and someone you spend so much time with people, uh, partnerships, I think. If you get on well with people off the court as well, like that's obviously a, a kind of big part of it if you want it to last for a certain amount of time. I mean, this is a bit of a silly question, but see what you can come up with for it. If you could build your perfect doubles player, so serve, return, and then volleys, whose shots would you take? Oh, I've already did something similar to this, I remember a while ago, and he picked your volleys for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he? No, he must have picked. No, he would have picked his brother's. No, he said Jamie Murray, and then he, he, gave, you a, he gave you an honourable mention at least. Yeah. Did, did, did he give me a mention? Oh, that's <laughs> nice, man. Uh, well, I've got, I've got to, I've got to put him in it somewhere. <laughs> I don't have I? I think his returns, his returns are, are a joke, yeah. aren't they? You, you played uh, with him a few times, didn't you, on the tour as well, right? Play once or twice. Play with him at Indian Wells one year. I think he just played once. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. My God, build the perfect. Doubles player. Uh, you put me on the spot with that one, Finn. Tough, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'll edit out the pause no. if I <laughs> you, Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me, let me have a little think about this one. I think uh, I'm going to go quite Brit, Brit heavy here. <laughs> okay, so Andy on the returns. Yeah. I'll tell you what, old Piersy, John Piers could serve, serve a joke when he was on. So I think John Piers, when he's serving well, as a server, I mean, I'm all, I'm, I'm being by all the people I know well or, or work with or anything like that. Uh, around the net, I think Je- I think Jamie is Jamie Murray's probably uh, around the net. I think general athleticism. Uh, Joe Sol- Salisbury. Yeah, I saw him play in the World Tour Finals this year, actually, or last year. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I went uh, with one, just one week with those two, Joe and Regine Bram, to a tournament, and it's the first time I really saw Joe play, and, and yeah, I was really impressed with his kind of physicality and his athleticism. He 
know, those boys like, yeah, they, they play well. Uh, what else am I going to go for? Can uh, you have to come back to me on that? I'm going to have to have a think about that one. Sorry. It's all right. No, no, no. You've, you've covered all, all bases anyway. And Joe Salisbury's definitely one and didn't expect for, for athleticism. Um, so, no, yeah, thanks for your insight there. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was impressed with Joe, actually. Very impressed. Yeah. And he, yeah. and he backed, it up with, backed it up with an Aussie Open title as well, didn't he? Well, I know, yeah. His, his rise has been quite... I mean, if you weren't a kind of big tennis fan, a lot of people wouldn't have heard of him before, would they? Yeah. He seems to come yeah. quite, quite suddenly. Yeah, totally, yeah. He's, he's, uh, especially for his last couple of years, he's really kind of uh, st- standing out a bit, isn't he? Question. Uh, it might turn into a kind of two-part question. What would you like to see tennis do differently post-COVID? I know that's a huge question, but I guess I was thinking particularly about, for me, BBC have been doing uh, covering the British tour and covering obviously Battle of the Brits, the team event recently. Um, and it's given me a chance to see a lot of British players I had no idea about, and I'm sure a lot of people, other people as well. So do you think there should be a bit of a change of mindset there in terms of how British tennis is covered and giving a bit more recognition to players that are whatever, yeah, 700, 800, and these kind of 19, 20, 21-year-olds? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great. I, I've, I've been away, actually, so I haven't really seen much of the, uh, the Battle of the Brits. Uh, but I've heard it's, it's, it's been great, you know? I mean, it's a great... It's great that everyone can just compete during this time and, and, and try and stay sharp and... and I suppose trying to earn a bit of a living as well, uh, and yeah, it's a great, it's a great experience for all the other Brits who wouldn't generally get the opportunity to play against someone like Andy or play any of and uh, Dan Evans and things like that. So for them to kind of actually, I'm sure they're more trained with, with them on a regular basis, but to actually compete against them and get a bit of recognition, get some airtime and tell you it would be good for their uh, their profile as well, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to know where tennis is going to go with it after this. I mean, whole travel is, is obviously, that's a massive part of, of, of the tennis uh, bike, I suppose, being to try and, it's maybe a good opportunity to have a look at the, the, the calendar uh to try and source something which is a bit more manageable, I suppose, or makes a bit more sense than what it is now. You know, you've got players literally all over the world every week of the year. So maybe to, uh, to not, it's an opportunity to maybe have some more kind of local or European tour or American tour or something like that, you know, to, to kind of cut down on a lot of the travelling. But uh, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Mentioning about India being the place to go and you were... Kind of starting out and stuff, and the satellite tournaments that be everywhere. So you feel like there needs to be a bit of a rethink there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe just to make things a bit more manageable, a bit more uh, possible for, for for more people to to play at decent levels. I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed that for myself. Yeah, I've got I've obviously got to travel to loads of great great places or places I would never travel to otherwise. You know, so. Uh, well listen Johnny anyway thanks so much for your time today I really do appreciate it and yeah no worries Ben nice to nice to see you nice to speak to you yeah, nice I've yeah. seen you about 14 and <laughs> I know I think, well, I think it's longer than that it's longer than that <laughs> I, I remember that Wimbledon uh, that tour you gave uh, me and a few players from Holland yeah, okay, okay, yeah. yeah and I, I was yeah. 
11, 12 then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Yeah. I remember that as a well. workout anyway, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's none of that, mate. Of that. <laughs> Just going to, to use your internet, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I can't blame you. I don't know why you were saying yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. Johnny. All right, mate. Cheers, Ben. There we have it. Thanks very much for listening. Next week, we're talking to uh, New York Times bestselling author Robert Weintraub about Alice Marble. He's just written a groundbreaking new biography about uh, the mystery of her private life and the seismic change she instigated in her public life as the biggest star of the pre-World War II era. That'll be out next Wednesday. In the meantime, subscribe to the pod on Apple and Spotify and please leave us a review. It really helps us out. And don't forget to check out all the great content on Grand Slam Tennis online. See you soon.